You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome to the Oz Network for the beginning of our three-part series covering Halloween-themed episodes, just like we did last year. Uh, We are interrupting your regularly scheduled anniversary season uh, to bring you these Halloween recaps. And we've got three full ones to do this year. Um, We will run down by the end of the episode the other two episodes that we're going to be covering you over the next two weeks. Uh, But we're starting off today with the 1991 classic remake of the 1964-66 television series of the 1930s or 40s comic book, whatever. We're talking about The Addams Family the 1991 original that spawned a franchise and another television series and another movie coming soon uh, and a lot of snapping fingers and theme songs which uh, I'm not sure if Rossi's familiar with but we will find out uh, my name is Colin Charlatan Deadbeat Parasite How Gomez Loved Me uh, My name is Rossi and I'm dressed as a homicidal maniac they're just like the rest of us you know, I can't wait to get to that part because I, I feel like that may be one of the most imitated Halloween costumes in history since this movie came out. How many years is this now? 27 years? Uh, I am surprised. I only found out five minutes ago that you had only seen this movie for the first time maybe a month ago or at least recently. More than more than a month ago, but I don't, I don't remember. I, I feel like I've seen one of these, either this one or the one that comes after mm-hmm. this. For the first time recently. Yeah. Definitely one of them. I don't know. Definitely not both. But it's complicated. <laughs> uh, it's kind of complicated for me too. The, the, the funny thing is Jamie loves these movies and she watches them all the time. But uh, it's not that I dislike the movie. I mean I actually grew up loving this movie and seeing it many times. My brother was definitely a bigger Adams Family fan. I remember him watching both this one and the second one, Adams Family Values, quite often. Uh, but it wasn't until I watched it this time, which is probably the first time in 15 years – that I actually remembered what this movie is about. The only things I really remembered was the whole Uncle Fester uh, imposter storyline. And then there were things in this movie that I thought happened in the second one. And then as this movie progressed more and more, I'm like, wait, half of this movie, I assume, was the second part. So I had to go back and watch the trailer for the second part to remind me what the second one was. But uh, I've seen this movie so many times, but it's just been so long that I forgot so much about it. But... uh, we can just talk about our impressions of it here. Uh, I don't know uh, if you're agreeing to do this episode and you've watched it now more than once in a little over a month, possibly. I'm guessing you're a fan of the movie. Am I right? I love these two, even though we're only talking about one. I love these two movies. They're brilliant. That's it. End of episode. They're brilliant. <laughs> I don't really, I don't know. I just love them. I think that they're so, like, they're funny. Mm-hmm. I just think. They're that like atypical humor kind of thing, very traditional jokes, but atypical delivery, and it's just there's just so many little jokes that you just like. You may not be like laughing out loud or anything like that, but it's just these jokes that are so funny. The characters are so fun, you know. The situations they find themselves in, they're o- the whole family is kind of overall um, aloofness. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's just so perfect and and how crazy it gets. I just love them. Like you just like along with the ride along for the ride with them. It's just so enjoyable from beginning to end. 
It's so good, and I, I forgot how good this first movie was, because I remember liking the second one more than the first, and uh, I don't know if when you know we were watching these movies, obviously I've seen this one more because I remembered it better, but I always remember thinking the second one was even better. I don't know if we can talk about that closer to the end, uh, but I, I just forgot how good this movie is and how clever the writing is in this movie. It's funny you just said like the jokes are so simple. It really is. It's just one-liner after one-liner. This movie is full of bad puns that because of the characters and how weird and uh, dark they are and just the straight delivery that every single actor has, these bad puns come across as being way more brilliant than they should. And we're coming off of uh, the the last two movies that we covered, Grease and um, 2001 A Space Odyssey, where I had probably less than a page of notes for two hours, and in the case of 2001, two and a half hours of a movie, less than a page of notes. No knock against the movies, but this movie here, like, just barely over an hour and a half, and I have probably double the amount of notes that I had for 2001 that Ben and I covered last week. Like, it's just so many great one-liners. It's, it's such a clever movie, and I also feel like this has a lot of similarities with the Tim Burton style at the time, and that was probably intentional, even though Tim Burton really had nothing to do with this movie. Uh, but I find this easier to take than most Tim Burton movies, which Tim Burton movies, for me, they're they're kind of clever, but then I don't really ever want to watch them. I would watch this movie again right now if I had the chance. Oh, yeah, I'd watch it again and again. It's one of those... Coming to you next week on the Oz Network. Yes, I love this movie. I'd watch it again. <laughs> We both will, and we both will next week. Uh, but no, we have uh, other things coming up next week. First thing I want to ask you about is your familiarity with the TV show or the, the, the comic. or Because even though you only watched this movie recently, I mean, there are people – like the TV show came out decades before I was born, decades before you were born. But I remember seeing the TV show. It may have been around the same time or even after I had seen the movie. Uh, it was one of these things where the movie came out and obviously it was popular again. But it's a show that was short-lived. It only ran for two years but just had like such a huge following over the years that it just kept popping up. Did you ever get to see the TV show? Or were you familiar with the fact that this was a TV show or a comic before you uh, watched the movie? I mean, I knew about it. I, I, I think a lot of people know the iconic um, snapping mm-hmm. kind of thing. And they were also featured on like Scooby-Doo stuff at before, <laughs> which probably was my introduction to the, like, the Adams family being a, a, a thing. What's the Scooby Doo thing you're talking about? Um, there were this. There was like an episode or movie or something where the Scooby Doo meets the Adams family. Oh, like like a like a crossover movie or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know too much about it. Off, I can't remember too much, but I, I just remember seeing them before seeing the yeah knowing about the show or the movies because the movies were something I was introduced later on. So. But, I mean, I'm definitely familiar with the show. Um, just I haven't seen a whole lot of it. Maybe we'll cover some of it coming up on the Oz Network. Ooh. More announcements to come. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, again, I, I saw the TV show, and it, it's not something that I think I watched a lot of, but you know, probably around the time the movies were popular in the early 90s, it was on TV again. And uh, I remember more than anything just the guy that played Gomez, who's, of course, John Aston, which you, I don't know if you're familiar with Sean Aston. Everybody should be familiar with Sean Aston. Uh, from Sam from Lord of the Rings, Mikey from The Goonies. Uh, he was in Sino Man 24, tons of different things. And that was his dad. And I just remember him being great. 
And it's the same with this. And I, I see your profile picture. Before we even get into the movie, I kind of have to ask, like, of all the characters in this movie, who do you lean to? Who's your favorite character? It's tough because, like, it's really close between Wednesday and Morticia for me. Mm-hmm. I just love the women so much more in these series just because they're, I feel like they're the center point of the, like, being the funny ones for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, every time they say something that, like, shocks, like, a, you know, like, a regular person just I'll say like it's just so funny to me and their dry humor is just so great I, I just, between them I love all the characters but they're the ones that kind of stand out to me yeah you know it's funny because there is a, a big difference between I guess those two f- female characters and the two male leads uh, Gomez and Fester who are more like they're, they're bigger, they're more physical. There's a lot more emotion you're getting out of them. Whereas with Morticia and Wednesday, it's just like deadpan, no pun intended, but deadpan humor, which really is brilliant. I think maybe because I was a kid when I saw this, I lean more towards Gomez just being a fun character because Christopher Lloyd, you know, being a back to the future fan growing up, I was just recognizing him. Uh, but watching it this time, like, I, I definitely got a much bigger appreciation for Morticia and Wednesday and that deadpan humor you talk about. A, a couple of lines here, just like, I still can't get out of my head how brilliant they are. So I'm excited to talk about it here. But, um, yeah, obviously the TV show, the, the comics that came even before that, this is something that's been around forever. Uh, and the theme song, obviously, you mentioned, which is how the movie starts. Uh, and this is such an iconic theme song, and everybody knows it, that I think that, most people forget that the only appearance this theme music has in the entire movie is for about 10 seconds in the opening sequence. And I, I was thinking as soon as I started watching this that uh, we, we probably should have been covering this for a Christmas movie. Obviously, that opening sequence only really meant uh, because this movie was being released around Christmas. But you have a bunch of carolers singing Carol the Bells and transitioning to other songs. And then the camera just pans up. <laughs> and you see the the music playing the da 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 and the whole family is around a cauldron, I'm guessing filled with hot oil, that they're about to dump on all the carolers, uh, which I also find hilarious that later on in the movie, apparently, I didn't even catch it this time, you can see, like, the giant oil spill on the ground, so, like, they follow through with this joke, like, an hour into the movie or whatever. Uh, it's just such a great opening, and... Just the dark tone of this movie, and I think this is the difference with Tim Burton movies. Tim Burton movies have a dark tone to humor like this, where it doesn't make you want to laugh. Like, this is almost innocent dark. You know that they just probably killed a bunch of people, but you laugh anyways. Like, it doesn't feel inappropriate. Uh, that's the biggest difference between, like, Barry Sonnenfeld, who directed this, and Tim Burton. Uh, a whole bunch of stuff. And the other thing that's really surprising with this movie is just how fast it is. And I think this is the reason why I thought that half of this movie was the second part when I was rewatching, like, wait, I thought this was the second part. Cause this movie for an hour and 40 minutes, there's so much in here, but yet it's not a pacing thing. It's just because of the, the, I don't know, droning, uh, delivery with most of these characters that it's not so fast paced with their delivery. You don't even notice how quick fire all the scenes are on the one liners. I mean, as soon as the movie starts, you have like that shot of the clock where, uh, there's the, Pugsley on the cuckoo clock that's hanging Wednesday, I think it is. Uh, you have Gomez kissing Morticia's cleavage on this clock. Uh, and Gomez is immediately starting just mourning about Fester, who's apparently been gone for 25 years. And the whole debate is, is he dead or not? Uh, Wednesday and Pugsley, this is basically their entire thing in this movie, 
is just they're constantly trying to kill each other. So she he has an apple in his mouth, and she's about to shoot an arrow through it. Uh, and uh, I don't know how much other stuff is in here. Uh, there's, I think, a line here that Gomez has about uh, Morticia. He says, I would die for her. I would kill for her. Either way, what bliss. And um, uh, oh, there's another line here where Morticia is saying, like, don't torture yourself, Gomez. That's my job. And again, it's just the delivery that makes it so great. Uh, why did I marry you? Because I said yes. <laughs> just reversing the roles. Uh, there's a sword fight here. Uh, when they're going through, the, the, obviously the main thing that happens here is that the lawyer shows up as far as the plot goes. You have a lawyer showing up and he's trying to get money out of them or whatever and trying to sell them on some type of business deal. And instead, Gomez is like, no, I'll just pay your monthly fee. He goes off to the vault or whatever. A lot of stuff happening here as the lawyer's wife's being entertained. And one of the funniest parts of this entire movie, which catches me off guard every time and yet I know the line's coming, is when they're going through the the cupboard or whatever the closet looking for things to donate to this auction coming up and Morticia's like Uncle Knickknack's winter wardrobe Uncle Knickknack's summer wardrobe and they pull another one out Uncle Knickknack <laughs> uh, in the end Gomez goes through this bookshelf which uh, takes him to the vault somewhere the lawyer doesn't know how it works lawyer's wife gets a finger trap put on her uh, Gomez comes back with a, a suitcase full of coins which he gives to the lawyer the lawyer goes off uh, to his office, hauling it in, and there's a grandma loan shark, which I don't know why. Maybe I didn't know what a loan shark was at the time. I didn't get how hilarious this is that some old grandma is a loan shark here. And her son, Gordon, who's a dead ringer for Fester, uh, is basically her leg breaker. And this lawyer comes up with an idea here, uh, a plot to, um, I guess, swap the bodies, which is the entire setup of the movie here. But there's so much stuff I probably missed in 10, 10, 15 minutes that just got covered there, I probably missed like, I don't know, a dozen little gags that happen in the background and one-liners and you can fill in here and there. But like, it's just shocking how much they can fit into 10 and 15 minutes without the movie feeling rushed. Oh yeah, definitely. And one thing that I always love in the beginning is when Morticia's cutting the roses and she's not snipping the, <laughs> the flower the part, part of it. <laughs> She's cutting it off the main plant, snipping off the top, and then putting the stem in a vase. Mm -hmm. And just, like, doing that all over again. And the editing of the music is just so perfect. And <laughs> and then these guys have, like, a sword fight in the middle of the <laughs> One of three sword fights in this movie, by the way. Yeah, like, they love fencing and sword fighting. Mm -hmm. I, who knew that it was such a big phenomen pheno pheno phenomenon? Phenomenon. <laughs> I still don't know if I can say da -da -da -da. it. <laughs> <laughs> just all the jokes are so funny it's so simple so so effective and um yeah it definitely in terms of the you know the speed and the the duration of it this one goes so much quicker mm -hmm. than the second one i feel like the second one drags on so much i still like the second one but it's still longer in comparison to this one mm -hmm. i feel like the kind of the background characters in this one, which tend to happen to be, you know, Wednesday and Pugsley and the, uh, the other woman whose name I don't remember. The grandma or? Yeah. It's a grandma. Yeah. Like the three of them kind of give it this quickness cause it's kind of hopping back and forth and, and obviously her putting her thing in the, the trap was just too perfect. Cause she's like, what, what, what's going on? Mm -hmm. And then obviously the books, which come back later on about, you know, the book of wind and everything is just 
it's a good setup of all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I found interesting just watching it this time is figuring out where, and I would love to know exactly where it started, the, the, the whole TV show adaptations. Because I think one of the reasons for all these this quick-fire delivery and how fast everything happens and how much they cram in here is because they took a lot of gags from the TV show. Like, apparently that thing snipping the roses was something from the TV show, and they're like, let's just fit it in here somewhere. And I'm trying to think about any major... Obviously, there were, like, TV adaptations where, let's say the Batman TV show from the 60s, they did a movie version of that while the show was still running. But as far as an adaptation, in the 90s, that became such a big thing, even though most of them were flops. I'm trying to think if anything really existed prior to The Addams Family. And this probably at least popularized it because I mean, following this, there would be you know a movie version of the Beverly Hillbillies and Leave It to Beaver, and obviously Mission Impossible would be one of the the, the big ones that that made this whole uh, genre work. But like the Adams Family probably started this. I can't think of anything prior to this unless you can. Oh yeah, I've got a long list. I found a long list, but it's not chronological. That's what I want. Like, this is alphabetical. I don't need to know 21 Jump Street, the A-Team. Uh, I want to know, like, which version came first as far as the movies. But maybe I'll find that by the end of this Charlie's episode. Angels. Charlie's Angels, about 10 years after this. Uh, <laughs> just scanning through the list here, I can't find anything, like, uh, other than revivals of old TV shows, like, they would do a Get Smart movie with the original <laughs> cast or a Beverly Hillbillies reunion with the original oh. cast. Uh actual adaptations nothing really here so this started a whole new trend but uh i think that 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 really fast delivery comes down to just wanting to fit so many little gags from the tv show in here uh, as they could um so obviously the plot here is revealed that this lawyer who i guess is the villain even though i have some questions on that later uh and the loan shark grandma uh want to make the son, Gordon, who has hair and everything, double as Fester so they could get into this vault. It's a simple plot, uh, but obviously th- th- there's some interesting trivia, which we'll get to in the end, about <laughs> this, whether it is Fester or not. But there, there's some the, maybe some plot holes here. The fact that he does have hair and that that becomes the dead giveaway later on is that Wednesday's like, you're shaving his head. Fester was actually bald. Well, apparently not. But... It jumps into, and if I have one complaint about this movie, I think that there should have been a little bit more of a transition between them saying, we'll have him double as Fester, and instead he just shows up on the door and it's all put together. Uh, maybe this guy having to figure out how to get into character or something, but that's basically what happens next. Uh, they're doing a seance for Fester to find out where he's been for the last 25 years, the family is, and this Dr. Pinderschloss, which is the Lone Shark <laughs> Grandma, shows up at the door with Gordon as Fester, and uh, they're shocked that Fester's alive and everything, but she comes in and explains the story about how she found him tangled up in a tuna net in Miami, <laughs> which I love that that comes back later too. And again, so many great one-liners here and, and little visual gags. Like um, uh, there's the one line where they say the human spirit is a hard thing to kill. Even with the grandma, I think it was even with a chainsaw. <laughs> and then Fester's unpacking uh, a crate and he pulls out like a chainsaw, dynamite, cyanide, and Morticia's going through it. She's like, chainsaw, dynamite, cyanide. She goes, fester, as if we'd run out. <laughs> uh, 
And then we get the first appearance of Thing, which, from what I do remember of the TV show, I feel like Thing and It were much bigger characters. This is kind of what you're saying about how even Wednesday and Pugsley and the grandma are the actual grandma, not the Lone Shark grandma. They're all sort of just background characters. Uh, and that's the, it caught me a little bit off guard when I watched it this time as well, because I remember them being much bigger characters, but I guess the sequel is where they made them bigger. Uh, but when... Fester's now settling into his room for that, or Gordon as Fester settling into the room, and the thing hand appears, and he just screams, and there's this conversation with uh, uh, Morticia and Gomez in bed, where they're talking about, you know, screams coming from the other room and how comforting it is, or something like that. Uh, just like old times, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I like, these jokes are so simple, but it's the delivery that is so, again, no pun intended, deadpan, that just makes it so much funnier than it should be. Uh, they wake up in the morning, and um, as Gomez comes to wake him up, Gordon, as Fester, uh, attacks him with a knife, and this just becomes a game where these two guys are killing each other. Uh, when they're at the breakfast table, oh, this is where I think I really recognize how brilliant Christina Ricci is as Wednesday. <laughs> when... Uh, she's saying, can you pass the salt and festival to pass it and pass it more to she's like Wednesday, what do we say? And she's like, now, <laughs> like the only time she shows emotion in the whole movie. And instead of Fester just settling in, uh, he says, we're going straight to the vault today. Uh, the sequence where they go to the vault and it's just this complicated thing. Uh, obviously that comes up a lot later on where they have to pull this chain and, only one of the chains will lead them to the vault. The rest of them are kind of like these traps. I love the little Wednesday and Pugsley gag where it says, we're going to play a game. It's called, Is There a God? <laughs> and um, what was it? When they're, do when they're going into the vault, and um, this is where F Gordon as Fester starts to lose his credibility, or, or Gomez, who's the one person, I guess, at this point they're saying is absolutely convinced that he is the real person, doesn't have any questions. Uh, they're they're doing the combination on to get into the vault, and he's like two, ten, and like Fester Gordon is Fester is like five or something like that. He goes eleven, two, ten, eleven. Eyes, fingers, toes, <laughs> and then they sit down to watch the whole movies. And um, obviously, these are old movies of them as kids and everything. And there's little things that start slipping here. Uh, I love the moment where they're watching the, the old black and white home movies, and Gomez is talking about how dashing. Fester is as he's picking a girl's ear <laughs> and eating. Uh, and the main thing that gives away here is the secret password. Um, what was it? What was the secret password here? Did they reveal it? I'm not remembering it. Oh. There is also the other moment. I, I, I clearly watched it very yeah. well. I mean, there are so many, like, they, they throw at you about four or five little things here where Gomez starts to question, well, he doesn't seem to remember anything. Um, but uh, one of the ones was where he was uh, saying, like, you know, senior partner or whatever, and then Fester's, like, junior astronaut. Like, somebody just makes no sense at all, and Gomez's like, yeah, okay. Uh, later on, they go to the auction, and this is what sort of, sets it all off where it's like he clearly doesn't know who he is because this finger trap that uh, the Adams family bid on themselves even though they put up in the option they, they're bidding against each other it's like Gomez $15,000 and Morticia's like $20,000 it's like but they donated it another one of the moments that apparently came from the TV show they're like we have to include this in the movie but this finger trap Fester can't get it off and they're like okay there's something wrong with it so we get the sequence of Gomez freaking out that's not my brother 
playing with his trains. There's a living person inside the train. Apparently another thing that came from the TV show. Uh, and Cameo, that's actually the movie's director, Barry Sonnenfeld, as the living passenger on the toy train set. Uh, and yeah, I guess Gomez just is like uh, the password and he doesn't sleep well and uh, this and that. Um, so much stuff going here where all of a sudden he starts doubting him. I'm just going to give an honorable mention to probably the greatest grandma moment of the movie, the actual Adam's grandma, when she's cooking and she has two books open, Grey's Anatomy and The Joy of Cooking. <laughs> Those two things together is just great. Uh, so Fester tries to get in the vault here, which we'll kind of cap it there. But this second sequence here, or sequence of scenes where they start doubting Fester, uh, Christopher Lloyd, he's so good in like everything he does. But I- I'm going to mention something interesting about Christopher Lloyd later on. I'll let you kind of cover these scenes here. Uh, but I think that this movie, as far as you look over some of the reviews and most of the negative reviews for this said that like the movie doesn't have much story. I find like this movie has a ton of story compared to most TV adaptations. And it's actually a really clever idea to say we're going to take one of the main characters of the TV show and have them be missing for years. And then there's an imposter. And I just love the way that Christopher Lloyd is playing this so awkward and uncomfortable but trying to wing it. This is the only area where I wish that they'd had a bit more of a setup. Like how is he supposed – what is he expecting – because if you just walk into this house for the first time, I mean, anybody's going to think it's weird. But still, I mean, it's great stuff here. And this is all Christopher Lloyd and Raul Julia. These two guys are so brilliant together. Yeah, that was um, quite a lot to get through. <laughs> <laughs> and yet it's 10 minutes of the movie. Uh, I think I'd say half an hour, but okay. <laughs> um, I just love one thing that you forgot to mention was when um, Pugsley takes the stop sign away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And the tr- or the trainer or the what the car or the bus or whatever it is just probably kills hundreds of people or something, mm-hmm. and then they're just like bravo and cheering <laughs> them on. I just love that. And the is this the where they say play with your food or is that later? Oh, I think that was in the sequence here. Yeah, yeah. She's like, don't eat, play with your food, and it's, it's just like it's alive and moving. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm, I love the the now. <laughs> so much, so good. Now, <laughs> say the uh, the whole vault sequence was really weird. I like. I remember watching it the first time. I was like, "This is a little weird how this happens." Like just getting through this like gothic canals or whatever to get to this vault on a gondola. Uh, yeah. Like very uncharacteristic of the Adams, I would say. But I mean, the whole stuff in the vault is pretty good with the him not knowing anything and kind of 210 was it 2109 or 2011 2011 yeah eyes fingers toes was so funny when i saw that it's just like what <laughs> um and the whole whole movie stuff was a little weird obviously it's setting up a lot of exposition for us to follow mm-hmm. the um, twins have to be revealed there and everything yeah the reveal of this story that we won't get resolved until a lot later about what's the issue there. Um, and this word thing that we don't know, obviously, it's starting to play on the characters of, you know, Gomez not knowing who Fester is anymore and anything like that. Um, and the whole stuff with Wednesday and Pugsley is so great, like when they're like the back and forth. And uh, she's like, it, Morticia comes and interrupts the game and says, we have to go to the charity auction now. Mm-hmm. No, now. And so... They got to unstrap him from the electric chair and 
<laughs> it's their <Jared> <laughs> god. <laughs> yeah. I love that they bid on their own prize <laughs> item. And they're bidding, like, almost angrily against each other, too. It's like, Morticia's like, 15,000. Like, okay, we got 15,000. Goldman's like, no, 25! <laughs> he gets so animated into it. Meanwhile, they're basically having sex as they're bidding against each other. Like, can we comment on how physical they are as a couple? <laughs> Which was yeah, the same thing in the TV show, too, from what I remember. Yeah, in the middle of this public thing. <laughs> And then, but like money's nothing to them, so mm. they'll spend the money. Did they pay in coins? Is the other question. One can only guess. <laughs> um. That um, yeah. Oh, and then oh, one thing before we in the the, the train scenes, mm-hmm. like in the background behind um, the other characters like Morticia and that are all these stop signs. <laughs> so it's just funny to see the gag follow through. <gasps> And it's just like, how many times has Pugsley done that with the the stop sign gag and everything? Mm-hmm. It's just great. See, that's the thing is there's so many little things that happen. I mean, even just if you listen to the dialogue, there's so many lines that come at you where you probably won't notice unless you've seen this movie two or three times. And one of my favorite movies of all time, I don't know if you have, have you ever seen Scott Pilgrim versus the world if we had this conversation? Um, I think so, and I have not. Oh, you think so. <laughs> uh, you think we've had the conversation and you have not seen the movie, or you think you've seen the movie and we have not had this conversation? The first. <laughs> okay. Which was the first again? <laughs> I forget. <laughs> I, don't, I have not seen it, and I think we've spoken about this. Okay. <laughs> uh, that movie's kind of the same as this. I mean, it's a lot faster paced because it kind of is based on, like, you know, Japanese animation crossed with video games, uh, just as far as the tone of the movie goes. But it's the same thing where it's like, there's this weird sense of humor where it's like it shouldn't be funny, but it is. And unless you've seen the movie like countless times, you're not going to catch every line on the screen. And there's always something going on in the background. I feel like those are the funniest movies, and that's what I love about this. Like when you mentioned about the stop signs, I yeah, I've seen the saw this movie so t- many times as a kid. I just watched it again, you know, in the last 24 hours. I never even noticed that. But like that, that's a brilliant gag that y- you probably wouldn't pick up on unless you're watching it really closely. Correct. All right. We got to correct, so that means we move on. Uh, before we do move on, I wanted to talk about Christopher Lloyd here. Now, I'm, I'm hoping you have seen Back to the Future, right? Um, I have. That's a, that's a tentative? What was that? I have. I'm not the biggest fan. Oh, okay. But um, I am hoping you are at least a fan of Christopher Lloyd in Back to the Future. I'm a fan of Christopher Lloyd. Okay, good. That's something. That's, That's Professor Plum. Yeah, exactly. There, there we go. I was trying to think of like there was something else I saw him in recently, and it didn't even occur to me. Um, though, what I wanted to point out that was interesting about Christopher Lloyd. I mean, he started on a TV show called Taxi in the seventies, and you know, throughout the eighties, he ended up somehow. He, I would say throughout the eighties and the nineties, he got all these big roles that because he's always behind makeup or changing his appearance. Nobody really ever thinks about Christopher Lloyd as big of a movie star as he was, but you look at it, he did he was a Star Trek villain in uh I think it was Star Trek three. He did three Back to the Future movies. He did two Adams Family movies. The Dennis the Menace movie. I would love to cover that one one day too. I love him in Dennis the Menace. Uh, he's always Who Frame Roger Rabbit. Who Frame Yeah, Who Frame Roger Rabbit, Clue, all these things. He's a massive movie star, and yet you always forget how big he is. But the funny thing is his performances aren't different. Like 
I could listen to him deliver lines as Fester and think that he's Doc Brown from Back to the Future or Professor Plum from Clue. Uh, but physically what he does to change his appearance, it's not even just a makeup thing. From what you do remember about Back to the Future, I mean, he's strikingly tall in Back to the Future. And I'm assuming he's strikingly tall in real life too. Um, maybe you can find the height of him somewhere. But every movie I've seen him in, he looks very tall. Yet in Back to the Future, because... Michael J. Fox was so short, they couldn't really frame them properly. So Christopher Lloyd had to develop a bit of a hunch in Back to the Future just so that his head and Michael J. Fox's head could fit in the same frame from where they wanted to shoot the, their angles. Even though he's hunched in that movie, he still looks huge. Somehow he looks smaller than every actor in this movie, and I don't know how he did it. Because I know they didn't spend so much time on like Lord of the Rings type you know, force perspective effects here to make him appear smaller. But I swear, like, if you put him next to Morticia, I think that Angelica Houston probably looks taller than him in this movie. And I don't know how he pulled it off. He is 6'1 for stats. There you go. And, like, what's the height of Raul Julia? Can we follow, find that while we're at it? Well, Michael J. Fox is 5'5". Five five, mm-hmm. So that's quite a difference. Um... Raul Julia is 6'2", so apparently he was taller than Christopher Lloyd. And again, like I don't think he looks particularly. But maybe Lurch being in the movie is what makes everybody else well, look so small. Everyone, because Angelica Houston is five ten. Wow. So. So really, all he did have to do was just do the same hunch he, he was doing in Back to the Future. It's just he wasn't next to a guy who was five five. Yes. Okay. Then I'm not as impressed with you, Christopher Lloyd. Well, pathetic. <laughs> uh, but still, he's so good in this movie, even though he's just playing Christopher Lloyd. Uh, the graveyard scene comes up here. So there's a, a walk through the graveyard. There's Fester on the phone with the the mother or the fake mother, the loan shark mother here, uh, basically saying they're on to me. And it's a subtle thing here that, uh, again, minor complaints I have just about how, and there's a reason why, which we'll get to in the end, about how the whole Gordon to Fester transition happens isn't quite clear. The first subtle hint about him possibly having some memory of being Fester is when he's on the phone saying, they're on to me, we got to get me out of here. And meanwhile, Pugsley's coming up, asking him to pick which poison should I use? And he's actually, okay, this one. And it's not bothering him. And then he kind of bonds with the kids when they're uh, practicing their scene for their play that's going to come up. And uh, he's telling me, you, you die poorly Wednesday. You need to learn how to die properly. And I just love when he's going through the book with them and it's like, gangrene. It's like, now we move on to chapter six. Scabs. <laughs> And it's just, it happens again so abruptly that I feel like there could have been a transition here where maybe he starts to think, like, why am I all of a sudden getting all weird? Why do I have this knowledge about death and all that stuff? Why do I find this interesting? Uh, I might as well just say it now. I mean, the reason for this is that apparently the movie didn't ever really spell out whether he was Fester or not. That whether it's an original scripted ending or just a way that they want to play this differently on screen, it was never going to be clear. Maybe he is an imposter and he just enjoyed being the family and he can be the new Fester, or maybe he's not. But they decided in the end they were going to actually make him Fester. And possibly that came late enough in the movie that there's not these transitions. But I don't know. What do you feel about like the transition of him being Gordon to Fester and if it's clear enough in the movie? Um, I... 
I struggle. I didn't quite get it. Like when I first watched it, that they were the same person, I think. Because mm-hmm. I thought that it was just like that they got someone who looked like him or something like that. I don't know. I didn't quite get it at first. Mm-hmm. So that kind of was lost on me. The subtleties of, oh, this is actually Fester. And like, because I, once I was at the end, I was like, oh my God, that is, oh, okay. And he didn't realize and uh, I get it. So it was a hard for me to give you a good answer. I do think it makes a lot more sense when you know what's happening and you see these scenes happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm not too bothered by it now. At the time, I was like really confused about what was going on. But I think now it, it works. I think there's enough subtlety, but enough like obviousness to it. Yeah, I agree it does still work, but I think it could have been done so much better. Like that's the biggest complaint about this movie. And I think the idea of making Fester the villain or with amnesia or whatever it is, it's such a clever idea, but it's just the execution I think could have been better. So I almost give the movie the most credit for being bold enough with that type of story while also, you know, subtracting the most amount of points for how it was handled, if that makes any sense. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of scenes here where he now, after the previous sequence was about him not really being Fesser and, you know, uh, nobody really being on board with it or buying it, all of a sudden he just starts, whether it be enjoying the life here or possibly having memories come back to him, uh, we get the, I guess it's a combination of a parent-teacher night with a school play, which I don't know if your school ever had that. It's it's weird, but it allows for maybe the subtly the most hilarious moment in this movie. And the one moment that I have not been able to stop thinking about for the last 24 hours because I forgot this was ever in the movie is during the parent-teacher thing when the, the Wednesday's teacher is going over Wednesday's performance with Morticia. says, Wednesday is, you know, she's an interesting uh, student. Let me show you. It's like, this is our hero's board. It's like, uh, this child put the president of the United States up. And then you see another one. Their hero is Barbara Bush. Little whoever, uh, she put her hero as Jane Pauley. And then Morticia just looks at her like so serious as, have you spoken to her parents? Like that's the concern that somebody's hero is Jane Pauley. <laughs> um, and then she basically says, what Wednesday did was, you know, great aunt Capernia who was burned at the stake as a witch. And then Morticia goes, well, don't worry. We told Wednesday, college comes first. <laughs> and I can't imagine um, this line being delivered by anybody else. And I kind of was caught off guard because I was researching this movie when I started rewatching it. And I was caught off guard when I saw that, like, of all things for this movie to get nominated for, Angelica Houston got nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Actress, not only for this movie, but for Adam's Family Valleys as well. And because I think I'm such a fan of Raul Julia as Gomez... Um, I was like, oh, if anybody should have been nominated, it should have been him. But in a scene like this, I get why. Because I feel like this is different from the way this would have been delivered at a TV show. Like, it's a unique performance, and it's so dark and just hilarious. But at no point does it seem like Angelica Houston is even playing it for laughs, which is what's great. Um, I also noticed a cameo here. I think this is the lawyer's kid who shows up in the the costume. What's he supposed to be here in this costume? A fairy or something? A lizard? Was he a lizard? I thought this was no. like fairies or something. Oh, I was thinking of the the little kid who was dressed as an elf. Elf, that's what it and was. And they asked if he was a lizard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So halfway between a lizard and a fairy. Uh, but yeah, that, that kid, 
uh, is the the creepy kid from Jurassic Park that uh, Alan Grant scares by slashing his belly open, uh, which Ben and I found him online. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's the same kid. So obviously he had a busy couple of years here. And then we get the musical performance of getting to know you from the, the class of elves or lizards or fairies. Uh, and obviously we're seeing Gomez and Morticia looking really bored in the crowd here. Uh, and Wednesday and Pugsley have their own thing that's going to come up in the, the, the play or the talent show, whatever this is. How did they the two biggest misfits of the entire school get a, a solo number? Yeah. How and who okayed this? Up? Like, was yeah, there no who, dress rehearsal? What, like, faculty teacher member, like, said that was okay. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but what ha- I guess the main thing that happens here is that there's a conflicted scene earlier where Fester was like, I don't want to go. I've decided I don't want to go because he's supposed to stay behind and now help the mother get into the vault so they could steal the millions in coins and flee. And instead he shows up with props for the kids and the props are as they're doing their Shakespearean scene and they're, the, the death scene they were rehearsing earlier uh, that as Pugsley I think slashes Wednesday blood just starts spraying out of her arm all over the audience and continues to spray like the most dramatic blood splatter ever and then she cuts off his arm and it's blood splatter and everybody in the crowd is just horrified except for the Adams family who applauds um, there's, a, there's a nice little scene at the end of this where um, the or I guess Fester puts Wednesday to bed and then there's the the doll where first I love that Wednesday sleeps like a corpse with her arms crossed over her or a vampire and then that her doll is headless and he makes her kiss the body of the doll and then the head of the doll but uh, Fester all of a sudden is a nice guy Um, one thing I just wanted to uh, point out in this sequence here is another movie from this era another TV adaptation I don't know if you're familiar with it did you ever see the Brady Bunch movie? I have not seen the movie. Oh. I've seen the show, just not the movie. Oh, you have to see the movie. We're going to put that on a oh, and, uh, No, Too many movies. But, the, okay, I'm just going to say this. Without it being anything like The Addams Family, the Brady Bunch movie is the Addams Family movie for the Brady Bunch. Because it takes place in the 90s, and yet you have this family like The Addams Family that's so out of this world and different and just stuck in their own universe. And everybody else in the world looks at them and is like, what is wrong with them? But to them, they're like, we're the normal ones. So the Brady Bunch movie is hilarious like this in the same way that they'll go to a talent show and they're performing like a disco number and everybody's looking at them and laughing at them. But they're like, what's the joke? I don't get it. This is cool music. There's there's so many similarities between the Addams Family movie and Brady Bunch that, again, I didn't notice until I watched it this time. Uh, But Brady Bunch movie, another great movie there. But uh, anyways, go ahead. Talk about any of these scenes. Uh, There's just so many funny little things that happen throughout. I love that thing with the teacher. Are you going to call her parents or whatever? <laughs> it's just so good. And the college first and everything. Um, when the that woman was talking to the boy about the, the costume or whatever, she's like, I could just eat you up or something like that. And Morticia's like, not yet. They're young, too young or something like that. And it was just so perfect. And obviously their entire skit, the Wednesday and Pugsley thing is so great to see all the people just covered in blood. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, you know, the Adams are the only ones who are clapping, standing ovation. And I also love that they looked so amazingly bored during all the other kids acts. Like, cause everybody else is like, yeah, great. They're just like, is this thing going to end yet? 
Yeah, and then and this, when they were doing it, they were like so impressed with the their children mm-hmm. doing the the whole blood thing, and they all all of them are standing up clapping even faster. It's just so great. Uh, was that the end of this? Uh, yeah, the play sequence. Okay, then brilliant. I love it. <laughs> it it kind of it reminds me a lot of the even though it didn't happen yet the the camp scene in the the next movie when they do that stage performance at the camp. Oh yeah. And, and Wednesday and Pugsley just take, (laughs) take over and do the entire thing themselves. It's just so great. Uh, so even though the family's accepting that Fester is the real Fester now, um, the loan shark grandmother, AKA Dr. Pinderschloss, uh, has to keep up the charade so they could get the vault and get out of there. So, Basically saying, well, even though he's Fester, he's still going to go back to the Bermuda Triangle, which we haven't even mentioned that that's where he apparently has spent the last 25 years was stuck in the Bermuda Triangle. And they decide to have a going away party for him. Uh, so the first appearance we have of Cousin It is at the going away party. And again, I remember, maybe I remember wrong, but I remember like Cousin It being like a major character on what I have seen of the TV show. And it's basically just a cameo here, although it's hilarious. Uh, and I love that Cousin It pulls up and MC Hammer is playing in the background, which is probably the only thing that dates this movie, which otherwise I feel like this movie, you could watch it any time. It doesn't feel dated in any way. But MC Hammer doing the theme song here, a little bit dated. Uh, the We have the first moment here where the lawyer's wife – now, what's the lawyer's wife? Does she even have a name in this movie? Um, uh, Mrs. Future It? I don't know. Yeah, Mrs. It. Uh the first moment where she starts dancing with cousin it here. And we also have the lawyer and the twins, which I always thought this was a thing where he was going to end up with the twins and then she was going to end up with it. But it's really just here a setup with the twins that they're going to spoil something, uh, which, you know, I'll just jump ahead to what that part is. These two twins that I don't even know if it's very clear in the movie they do mention that Gomez and Fester had a falling out years ago, which is why he's been gone for 25 years or why he left 25 years ago. And then there's a moment where he's talking about, you know, I'm sorry that they were your girlfriends or whatever. I think they imply in this movie, but don't clearly state it, that Gomez stole the twins from Fester and they were his girlfriend or whatever. Uh, but it's not very clear in the movie. But the twins end up saying to the lawyer... Uh, you know, Fester is the oldest brother, so he gets everything. And this is where the lawyer concocts his plan to get one over on the loan shark and to steal the fortune. So uh, for a movie that's often criticized for not having much plot, I feel like this movie has a ton of plot. Uh, and obviously Wednesday, who's been the most suspicious leading into this, she had the one moment in the previous scene where he put her to bed, where she finally bought who he was. She walks in on the loan shark grandma, mother, uh, shaving Fester's head, which is again the plot whole the movie, because if he really is Fester and this is the giveaway, why can he grow hair in the first place? But who knows? And they're talking about, you know, the stealing the money or whatever and Wednesday runs off, so there's a quick chase scene as she's running away and Fester's, Gordon's mom is saying, go to the party, continue to be Fester, we still gotta get this stuff, you know, I'll deal with the kid or whatever. When they get to the party, we get the mamushka! Uh, which is a, a dance or a song and dance that they used to celebrate Jack the Ripper <laughs> and many other dark things over the years. And now they're going to do it for Fester. And we get Raul Julia's song and dance number here. Uh, lots of stuff with sword fighting, throwing knives, uh, shoving knives down Fester's throat, all this. 
Uh, and the whole purpose here is that Fester finally embraces being Fester, or Gordon embraces being Fester, and that even later on when the uh, the Lone Shark mom, grandma, shows up, he's like, you know, and, oh no, I'm having fun, and she basically lays a guilt trip on him here. Um, we'll cover this search here for Wednesday as well, I guess, just leading up to kind of the final act. Uh so Wednesday eventually is found, or they they go off to find Wednesday, and I, I love the way that they um, uh, divide the duties up here when they're like, well, Wednesday's missing, and it's like, Pugsley, you head for the dung heap. Morticia, you do the shallow grave. I'll take the abyss and lurch. Check the bottomless pit. And the Fester's like, somebody's better stay behind before, unless she comes back. It's like, okay, Thing, you take the swamps. And Thing, like, kind of does a hand gesture. It's like, that's the spirit. Lend us a hand. It's just, again, a really bad pun. <laughs> but the delivery here is so good because these actors just treat it so seriously. Uh, Lurch lifts a few cars. Thing's hopping along the, the lily pads in the swamp. Gomez eventually finds Wednesday in the tomb. Um, before she can say anything about what's going on, which, by the way, she never does in this movie, does she? No. This whole that, which, there's a plot hole there. This whole well, not really a plot hole. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, I think it, more than anything, at least have one scene where she explains it because I, I it didn't even occur to me until right now that this thing about getting the family away from the house is because the lawyer's plan was if Fester is the oldest brother and, like the twins said, he now inherits everything. He can file this injunction to have the family banned from the house because now everything's festers. So they can get rid of the family, which we find out they use the judge for later on. Uh, the same judge that throughout the course of the movie, uh, Gomez keeps hitting golf balls into his windows. Uh, but as they're away, Wednesday, you think, would have one moment where she's like, wait, but he's not fester. I heard it. But she never even tells the family, which is weird. So, I don't know. Now that I look at it, I think that doesn't really work in the movie. But the, the plot still is great that, that Fester or Gordon as Fester is now manipulated into claiming his inheritance and they have the house themselves and the rest of the family has to leave. Very dramatic twist of events. In this. this is like the biggest clunk, clump of mixed scenes, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but there's so much. I love the party. Like, I think that party's got a lot of great content, especially with um, that woman falling in love with cousin it. Yeah, <laughs> I just love it. She's just at first, she's like, Ooh. but like cousin it is so into her and everything, and it was just so great. And I love at the end of the movie when they get together, and then you see them in the sequential movies and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the scene from Searching for Wednesday is pretty great, especially the way they, they divide it up and. Like the thing and Lurch and everything, just doing their own thing and everything. It's great, and obviously that um, sword thing they do is the mamushka. Yes, the mamushka. It's very tense when you watch it the first time. I will say. Oh yeah. (laughs) You're like I was so nervous watching it, especially with that last one when he catches it in his mouth. That's just so hard, hard palpitating and everything. It's just so intense. Um, and obviously it's sad to see that all of them get kicked out, but there's you in such a funny way. Obviously they're sad that they're leaving, but when they pack up, Lurch just grabs the tree and puts it in the back of the car. Um, and then when, uh, Morticia's got the dead plant that she's carrying out and just so many, the, the little things that they're carrying in this tiny car is just so funny to see. It's like a clown car almost. 
it's just it's all this like subtle stuff that they do with the character development is just great. And obviously, th- this is the part here that I assume is the Adams family values. The second movie when they go off to the hotel, because uh, it's really only two scenes here, but maybe because it felt like a bigger sequence to me. Um, I always assumed that this was the second movie, but you know, I watched it this time, and it's like, no, it, it, this is Adam's Family One. But I love the idea of the Adam's Family having to move into this motel, and obviously, it has one of the pro- probably the greatest Wednesday moment in this entire movie. Which uh, let's see if you can guess which part I'm thinking about. Are we thinking about the same one here? Uh, obviously, the, the lemonade. <laughs> of course. So, uh, as they're in living in a motel now. Wednesday and Pugsley have a lemonade stand, which I like that they keep marking down the price. Uh, and you can see this thing is like smoking, like there's something, you know, uh, poisonous and deadly in this lemonade. Uh, and they keep marking it down. And um, this Girl Scout comes up and she's like, is your lemonade made with real lemons? And they're like, of course. It's like, uh, well, I'll buy some of your lemonades if you buy one of my delicious uh, uh, Girl Scout cookies. And are they made from real Girl Scouts? <laughs> Deadpan line, just brilliant. Uh, and and then this is obviously the girl that comes back. This she's the she's in the the second movie of the, she's the main girl yeah, in that in the in the summer camp, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the main one who's like antagonizing her Pugsley and that other kid. Mm-hmm. To join in in the all the fun and the, <laughs> the the preppiness and everything. I think this is similar earlier. Just a lot of the little gags that really aren't connected to the movie, like when Marticia's suddenly a school teacher or something like that, and she's reading the Hansel and Gretel stories so terrifyingly to the children that they all just burst into tears, which is great. And then she has the meeting with the the employment office or whatever mm-hmm. you would call it, and like. <laughs> the woman's trying to like discourage her from the jobs or whatever. It's yeah. Just so funny. And thing who starts working as a courier carrying a wagon with the hand. <laughs> oh, that's um, so funny. Like, but it works so well. The thing thing can do anything. Yeah, exactly. And anything probably... that involves movement or like handing things over mm-hmm. done. Uh, the best thing moments still to come as well. Uh, but Gomez is just depressed here. So all this is being cut back and forth between Fester or Gordon as Fester, uh, the loan shark and the lawyer are all in the house, still trying to find this vault. Cause every time they pull one of these chains, it just takes them to some other death trap and they can't find the right one. Uh, Gomez is just sulking, watching TV all the time. I love when Sally Jesse Raphael is on and they're talking about you know, this witch's cult or whatever. And it's like, let's go to a caller. And it's like, hello, Sally, it's Gomez Adams. Like, Gomez, stop calling. We don't know where they meet. Uh, and then uh, such a great moment here when Morticia's trying to cheer him up. Say, Gomez, why don't we uh, all go for a drive? A drive? And Miss Gilligan? <laughs> like, he's just so uh, depressed here and sulking. And Thing is massaging his head just like a, a, a dismembered hand massaging his head all the time is great. Um. In the end, Morticia leaves to go to the house, uh, I guess to try to plead with Fester, and they end up kidnapping her and strapping her down. Uh, she has a bunch of scenes here where it's, again, just playing on the, the darkness of the character, where she seems to be enjoying that they're torturing her. Uh, Thing, I think Thing, the idea was that Thing followed her to the house, but when she was kidnapped, he had to run home. So we have this great sequence where the Thing hand <laughs> is just running through the streets and uh, grabbing onto the back of cars and being t- uh, pulled behind it 
And then the very best thing in the movie, and maybe one of the funniest things the entire movie, when Thing is trying to tell Gomez what happened to Morticia, and you just see this hand doing, just a floating hand doing sign language, you know, so fast and trying to write things down. He's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And he's trying to decode it. And he's like, slow down, man. It's terrible when you stutter. <laughs> um, Gomez eventually does get this, and he shows up at the house. So we get our third or fourth sword fight of the movie. Um, and the mother, or as Fester, Gordon as Fester, it has his conflicted moment here. He doesn't know what he wants to do. Uh, the mother basically calls him like a sniveling, whiny baby. Says, I should have left you where I found you, which I don't know if the, the, the turn here is supposed to be him realizing left me where I found. I thought it was your son. They don't really clearly state that in the movie. Because uh, technically, I guess he doesn't get his memory back until the lightning strikes him come up here. But he plays along where he's like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm going to kill you or whatever to Gomez. And he pulls out the book, uh, a hurricane book or something. And this is a running gag in the movie that the books you open up, like you open up Gone with the Wind and there's a gust of wind. And here it just starts a hurricane. So a giant storm in the library. Lightning strikes Fester in the head, which is, I guess, what gives him his memory back. And... Um, the final moment here is after the hurricane, the lawyer and the lone shark land in two graves dug by the kids. And Pugsley asks the question, are they dead? And Wednesday just goes, does it matter? <laughs> Which we'll cut here before we get to the seven months later part. But again, probably so many little gags that uh, are missing in this sequence here because there's so much going on. Uh, but I just love, I love everything here. The, and I'm amazed that I always think this is the second movie, but this is probably the best stuff in this movie. The, the sulking in the hotel room and the, the thing car chase, the sign language, um, all the stuff with the hurricane book and all that. It's funny. Um, there's so many like small things in this that are great. I mean, the whole movie is that, um, I love the fact that they're eating like this shine, the, the most colorful breakfast cereal. Mm-hmm. If you go back, they're eating like some sort of fruity, like colored cereal, and it's just funny to see all these characters in black and eating this funny cereal. And then I love when Lurch is eating, drinking the lemonade, <laughs> and then it's just like the fire exhale, like a dragon. And I and the the Girl Scout thing is so funny. Is it made of real Girl Scouts? To be honest, that would have been my second quote if I had a second choice for a closing or an opening line because I think that's just so good too and obviously well, which line I is think that? the Girl Scout oh yeah <laughs> they made for real Girl Scouts yeah and I, I think I saw these out of order because I think I saw the first the second one first so I had already known this girl so whenever I saw this I was like oh wait I know her this is, and then this I realized is her that origin I saw them. story I, thought, I think I saw that I was like oh I saw it out of order Mm-hmm. But yes, I, I know the origin story of this character as the Girl Scout cookie. <laughs> um, and watching all those little kids listen to the story that Morticia is telling them is just so great. And they're just like listening, and then the kid starts crying. All of them just start to bawl. It's the slow reveal of it, too. If you just had all the kids burst into tears, it's too obvious of a joke. But you just see one kid start crying, and then it cuts to kids where it looks like they legitimately are crying, just tears rolling down their cheeks, and just turns into panic. The slow reveal just sold that joke. Yeah, and then um, when Gomez is watching TV, 
all these like bright shows. And I love that in the background, Grandma's just running around with a bat trying to kill something. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. It's just like she's doing all these random things in the background behind the mirror. Like, watch it next time. Like, she's just running around crazy trying to kill something. Who knows what? But it's great. And the whole, like, uh, Morticia, the boldness of Morticia just to go to the house was crazy. I don't. I, don't, I, thought, I think that took me by surprise when I saw it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even before that, you see, like, the sleeping arrangements of all these people, like... Wednesday and Grandma are in the same bed. Pugsley, Pugsley is sleeping. like laying on Lurch as Thing is laying as, on yeah, Pugsley. Laying on... <laughs> it's just so great to see all these like this huge extended family on a in one motel room. Um, and then obviously with all the ending sequence of the torture scene, I guess torture in air quotes because it, mm-hmm. it really wasn't that much torture because she got enjoyment out of it too. <laughs> she was loving it. Um, it's just so funny to see the character. I think that's what I love most about Morticia is just all this crazy stuff that she's put into. But it's just like loving it at the same time. Uh, I do think the car scene does not hold up in terms of graphics a little bit. Um, but it's still a great scene. I, I It's fun to watch just seeing this hand tr- try to navigate rush hour traffic mm-hmm. and trying to survive. Um it's just so funny, and then obviously the whole scene of him trying to translate to Gomez is funny as well. <laughs> Slow down! And then he tries to do sign language, and then that doesn't work, tries to write with a pen, that doesn't work, and then has to take a spoon and do Morse code. Many, um, I hate it when you stutter. <laughs> how many uh, of these like languages does this family know? Mm-hmm. Like They know three things. Yeah, they can understand it thing and english <laughs> and morse code and morse code that's right uh one other line that i loved it i couldn't it went by so fast i didn't have the time to rewind it um was when they're talking about uh, i guess the 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 trial that was going to come up uh when gomez was going to fight for them to be able to keep their house and he says they say that a man who represents himself in court has a fool for a client as god is my witness i am that fool <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so good. I just love Raul Julian. It's, and we kind of have to mention this here. I don't know how big of a star he really was prior to this. I guess he was maybe started as like a Broadway star in like the 60s, 70s. But he'd been around forever and, you know, appeared in different movies. Never like a huge star. I remember when I watched him as a kid, my mom was aware of who he was. But it wasn't like he was a major movie star. But between this and then, I guess, Adam's Family Values and then the Street Fighter movie, you know, came out, I guess, after he died. He died not long after this movie, even though he was only, what, like, in his early 50s. Uh, it's just so sad because, like, this is a guy who kind of had this major breakthrough with the Adams Family, regardless of whatever success he had critically prior to this. And he is such a movie star that I think he could have, you know, he could have had a huge career following this. It's just sad because he has so much life in his performance. I just He's by far my favorite in this movie. And uh, even watching this with Jamie, I'm just like, I just can't get over how great this guy is. Um, uh, we got to do a Mamushka song at the end of the movie or something. <laughs> uh, um, you can do it alone with ja- or with Jamie. <laughs> we're, we've done uh, karaoke on a lot of episodes lately. But um, I guess after this all happens, they, they have the wrap-up scene, which is seven months later, which is really just their way of ending this on Halloween. They started it at Christmas. They ended on Halloween. So then that probably places this movie is taking place over the course of three months, I guess. Um, Christmas to, yeah, so about ten months and then seven months later. 
But it's at Halloween, and we get a repeat of the whole Christmas carolers gag at the beginning. Uh, we get all the kids going trick or, and then Lurch opens the door, and they just scream and run, which is great. And uh, such a minor character in this movie, but like Lurch, what a look they got for this guy. And I'm I have to look it up, uh, but I know I've seen this guy in other things. Um, and also, I'll just quickly talk about the director, Barry Sonnenfeld, who made this. Because I think one of the things I thought saw him was Men in Black. But Barry Sonnenfeld, this is the first movie he made. He'd obviously do the sequel after this. Then he would do Get Shorty. Uh, obviously, he had his biggest success with the Men in Black movies. Uh, and then some other things like Wild Old West after that. But, I mean, he went on to a huge career after this movie. Uh, but um, Men in Black, obviously, was his big one. Now, tell me if you have seen Men in Black. I think so. Oh, you think so? Uh, anyways, I have to look up to see if this guy was in Men in Black, because I swear he was. He was in Ewoks Battle for Endor. He played Tarek, the villain in the Ewoks movie. I know oh. you watched the, um, the well, holiday special. Well, loved movie on here on the Oz Network. Yeah. You watched the holiday special. Did you ever watch the Ewoks movies? Okay, you couldn't pay me to watch that one. Oh, I, the, the Battle for Endor, the second one, was a great movie. Um, I think even Ben was willing to rent that one. Uh, let's see, he did Men in Black, yeah. He played, uh, I think it's the guy who orders pierogies in the, the restaurant. Oh, but thrilling. It's a thrilling great, uh, you, you, you will recognize this guy. Like, you don't forget a face like that. But it's just, I love just the look on his face. And it's weird because I don't think he has a line in this, but I had to watch clips of the live action show to even remember this because i was trying to think i thought lurch was a bigger character and he spoke i don't think he speaks in this entire movie but everybody kind of knows that line you rang like the the very like you rang which i guess comes from the adams family which i forgot it even came from that so lurch is a character that spoke in the original series but doesn't hear i find it funnier that he doesn't speak uh, but just this gag where he opens the door and the kids are terrified is just great because he has like this smile on his face like he's happy. And he's like, what are they running for? I don't get it. Uh, the kids come downstairs in their costumes. Pugsley is dressed as Fester, which looks great. Uh, Wednesday is dressed as nothing, which again, we have the line, uh, uh, I'm a homicidal maniac. <laughs> they look like everybody else. And then the lawyer is now ex-wife, uh, uh, currently dating cousin It comes in dressed as a princess and cousin it's wearing a, it's just cousin it this massive hair wearing a cowboy hat and a, a, a gun belt and uh, everywhere we go people keep asking him, where did you buy your costume and gobus goes well it is a wonderful hat <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm gonna correct myself that may be my favorite like deadpan line of the movie everywhere we go people ask what a wonderful costume where'd you get it well it is a wonderful hat <laughs> yeah that's a line that you expect from wednesday or morticia yeah exactly <laughs> so that's funny to come from uh gomez yeah um they're trying to decide what they want to play bobbing for apples i don't remember what the second game is and they said let's play wake the dead which basically is they go around knocking on all the tombstones in the graveyard behind the house and digging up people uh, there's a couple mentions here. This is, I guess, where they maybe in the middle of filming said, well, we have to make it clear that this is the real Fester. So they have these throwaway lines about, uh, you know, he has his memory back now. And uh, she really did find him in a tuna net in Miami. Oh, but it was actually in the Bermuda Triangle where she found him. So they're trying to tie it all together here. But again, I feel like if anything, this movie could be approved upon. It's just clarity with that. 
but still, like, just this ending's great when they're all doing the uh, Wake the Dead and the, um, the the reveal, which they probably had no idea they were doing a sequel. It's just a hilarious moment where she's knitting and she reveals it's like a baby sleeper with three legs. Uh, so the movie ends as they're playing Wake the Dead and the parents, Gomez and Morticia, get it on after he's just knocked her up. Leading to Adam's family values where they have the greatest baby ever because we have to say it. Their baby comes out with a Gomez mustache already on, which is just hilarious. Uh, maybe one day we'll cover that movie, but that's it. The Adams Family. Oh, and let's not forget the Adams Family rap, which are you willing to give us an Adams Family rap or at least recite the lyrics? Yeah, I think I'll let you do that. Okay. Um, or does Davey want to come in and do a cameo? She's out of the house right now. So oh. disappointing. Um, so, again, this is MC Hammer. Uh, and uh, they do what they want to do, say what they want to say, live how they want to live, play how they want to play, dance how they want to dance, kick and they slap a friend, the Adams Family. Which they didn't want to include the theme song, so this is like the new theme song. And painfully dates the movie as 1991 if MC Hammer is doing your theme song. Unfortunately. But otherwise, it holds still. <laughs> Nothing else to add? Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know you were pushing me to talk at the end. <laughs> well, I don't know if you had anything else to add that I missed. Um, no, I think it's pretty... You've covered it most of it. I love the painting that Lurch is doing of uh, Fester and Little Oh, Fester. yeah, Pugsley. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when they're going to do Wake the Dead and uh, the, new, the new member of the Adamus family is like, I've never played before. And then Grandma's like, well, did you bring a shovel? Yeah. <laughs> um, and just like the whole set welcoming of her into the fold and doing all the crazy stuff that they do. And I love that she's so willing, too. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not like, ooh, that's weird. You're a weirdo. She's like, this is the family I'm into now. And just does it. And <laughs> just, just fully great. embraces it. Yeah. And then one, like, final thing that they kind of do to set up Fester, you know, being Fester, was the the like handshake flip thing that they do oh yeah because fester did it to gomez and it's like that is you fester like (laughs) it really cements the character um and yeah i thought the the reveal of the future child and i think it's a really even if they didn't plan on it it's a really good way to set up the next movie in a way that doesn't require you to have another movie kind of thing like it could go both ways and i think that was really effective like, they did have a second movie, but if they didn't, then they could end it right there, you know? Mm-hmm. Just going through the success of this movie, we'll, we'll talk about the reviews really quickly, because as I said, this movie didn't get great reviews when it came out. Uh, I'm not going to go through every single review on here, uh, but just more compare the difference, because the most unusual thing did happen. Like Obviously, this movie was huge. We'll talk about that in a second, but the critical response for the second one was way higher than the first so here you have a movie that wasn't that well received with critics they released a sequel because it was successful and then the sequel comes out and critics absolutely love it which you know is weird like you were saying you seem to be more familiar with the second because you've probably watched it more recently but you're i'm guessing you're saying you don't like the second one as much as the first at first i thought i did thought i liked the second one more but i actually think i like the first one more just because i i really the woman in the second one kind of annoys me, so... You mean the, the fiancé the investor? Yeah. yeah. She kind of annoys me a little bit. I'm going to have to so, rewatch it again, because as a kid, I remember loving it, but I also 
as I said, thought that half of the Adams Family values was the hotel stuff that I love at the end of this movie. I think the one thing that really is upsetting about the the second one is that like they feel dumber, the characters. And I feel like they're smarter in this one, which makes them more like they're funnier in this one, I feel like. I don't know. I, we'll, maybe we'll have to recap it and talk about it. Possibly next year. Um, but just comparing the two, on Rotten Tomatoes, The Addams Family 1 has a 64% approval rating, so still decent, uh, but kind of mid-range. Um, 78% for Addams Family Values, which nothing really changed. I mean, I think they have different screenwriters for the second, but you have the entire cast coming back. You have Barry Sonnenfeld directing again. It's only two years later. It's just it's so unusual to have a sequel that's that much more well-received than the first. Uh it's it's almost like the Mission Impossible movies, but it took the Mission Impossible movies to like part four before critics really were sold on it. So this is totally different. Two years later, all of a sudden, critics absolutely adore the Adams Family. But the interesting thing is the audience score, because uh, the audience score is higher for Adams Family one than it is two. So this might be you know one of these Star Wars like things where the Force Awakens got okay reviews. And audiences said, oh, that's a great movie. And then The Last Jedi gets great reviews and audiences say that was terrible. Um, it's a weird uh, contrast between these, even though I think both are fairly well received. Uh, I don't feel like this is one of these things where people will automatically be, well, obviously the first one's the best, but the second one's okay. Like I think there is a lot of debate about which one is better between the first and the second. So we probably will have to cover that one day. Um, box office. Now, I remember this movie being successful, but this was so much bigger than I ever thought it was. Um, it opened with $24 million in 1991, which is crazy. I don't even know you know, uh, how that was for like openings that year. But the movie ended up making $113 million domestically, 78 overseas, so $191 million worldwide. Now, just to put it into perspective, this was the eighth highest grossing movie or sorry the seventh highest grossing movie in 1991 um movies that outgrossed it were hook city slickers silence of lambs beauty and the beast robin hood prince of thieves and terminator 2 judgment day so to put that in perspective the seventh highest grossing movie of the year last year the seventh highest grossing movie of the year was it big coincidence there cousin um but, like, Spider-Man Homecoming was sixth. Thor Ragnarok was the eighth highest grossing movie last year. So, in comparison, this movie would be bigger than Thor Ragnarok if it came out today, which is crazy. Like, that's how much money this made. So, obviously, they made the sequel. Um, what the sequel did for box office might take me a minute or two to uh, pull up here. Um, but uh, critics' reviews and box office, obviously huge. And uh, eventually, there would be a third movie. Uh, which was not released theatrically. Uh, I think we ended up seeing because it, it was a TV movie. My brother may have had it, but it, the Adams Family reunion, I don't remember thinking it was very good. I think they, they, they ended up casting Daryl Hannah uh, <laughs> as uh, Morticia in that one, uh, which is not great, not a big step up. Uh, but here we go. Box office for Adams Family Values. It made $48 million domestically. made... Uh, doesn't even have worldwide box office here. And in 1993, it was the 28th highest grossing. So obviously a big drop. But again, compared to the budget, still made a decent amount of money. Um, you probably don't have much to add on critical opinion in box office unless I'm wrong. Uh, not much. 
Uh, it's true for Roger Ebert as well, who rated the second one higher than the first. Everybody did. This just it's weird because I don't think you find that with you might find it with some sequels nowadays, but not such a huge uh, gap between them. It's just it's unusual. Um, I am going to pull up for our other segment here, but as we're doing this, you can give your review on them. Unless there's anything else that I forgot you want to add on this that we're forgetting. Probably a whole lot, but <laughs> it's a great movie, and everyone should watch it. If you haven't watched it, you should watch it. Yeah, so, so just jump into your review then. You're going to buy it, rent it, bin it. Uh, come on. <laughs> it's obvious. Yeah, bin, come on. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to buy it because it's so great. I love it. Uh, this is disgusting. Apparently Cher wanted to play Morticia. That would have ruined the movie. Uh, uh, not this. Uh, I think she should have been the second one. What's the second one? Like the or grandmother? The third movie. Oh, in the reunion, the one that nobody cares about, Adam's Family Reunion. Yeah, that would have. I would have watched that one. <laughs> uh, there is actually another one coming out, which we should also mention. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, and it's funny. Just again, reading a little bit more into this, when the movie was first in development, like in the late '80s, Tim Burton was in discussions to direct this, which is weird. How it has that similarity to Tim Burton more because the screenwriters from like Edward Scissorhands, Nightmare Before Christmas, Beetlejuice were all involved in this, but. Um, uh, Tim Burton was the original director, or at one point going to be the original director. And a few years ago, Tim Burton announced that he was going to make an Adams Family animated movie. Now, he's now, I guess, I don't know if he's even involved as a producer, but he's not making the movie. But the movie is coming out next year, and it's got like Oscar Isaac as Gomez and Charlize Theron as Morticia. Uh, do you have enough interest in the Adams Family where you think that this whole world is interesting and entertaining enough that you would bother to watch that or is it just this version of it that really hits with you i mean if it i'm probably not gonna immediately go for it but if it gets good rating oh yeah i'll watch it because i think i'm i'm very much into the adams family story and everything in the characters so i'd definitely be down for watching it especially because there's some great people in there so Mm -hmm. i think i'm kind of in the middle because I would watch the TV show. In fact, I'm kind of interested to watch the TV show now, having just watched the movie, and definitely watch the other movies. And I do think there's just a lot of humor with this very dark family. Obviously, there was a lot of shows in the 60s that did this, like The Munsters, Bewitched, and other shows. This was its own genre at a time. But the Adam's Family just hits it in a different way because there's something so unusual, and every character is so unique uh, but I also think, especially with these movies, this is where it would be hard for me to really get into uh, a, a new one unless it looked really good or, like you said, got good reviews. Because it's the actors that make this movie. Like I said, I love Raul Julie in this movie. I love Christopher Lloyd. Um, I think both kids are fantastic in this. I think the guy that plays Lurch is hilarious without ever speaking. And obviously, like we said, Angelica Houston got nominated for Golden Globe, and I could totally see why. Like, it's just the actors just make this movie, and it's just, it's hard for me now to imagine an Adam's Family movie without them. Uh, not that this is like so holy, like it's Back to the Future of the Godfather where you can't remake it, but it's just, I don't know. I just, I really love these actors in these roles. So I think they'd have to do something really good for me to really love or want to love the, the next one. Um, I am going to pull up. Uh, plot keywords here on IMDb. <laughs> There's some good ones on here. Um, juggling with knives. Uh, I don't know how many movies have you seen with juggling with knives. Um, didn't that? What about that? 
new circus movie that I haven't seen, The Greatest Showman. They didn't have that. Oh, they probably do. You're right. Uh, we had the same problem we did 2001, where apparently IMDb is having technical problems, so it's not coming up with the lists. But I'm just going to then have to read you the keywords. So these are keywords involved in the plot or something to do with Adam's family, where there are other movies that also involve the thing. For example, uh, Unconventional Family. There are other movies that exist where Unconventional Family would be a plot keyword that a movie is described with, and then IMDb will rank it. Tall Man. Graveyard. So simple things like that. Uh, would you believe there is more than one movie that has a reference to Jane Pauly? Because <laughs> that is one of the plot keywords for the Addams Family movie. Uh, I said juggling with knives. Obvious ones like brother-sister relationship, husband-wife relationship, brother-brother relationship, father-daughter relationship, mother-daughter relationship. Reference to George H.W. Bush. Reference to Nero. Reference to Shakespeare's Hamlet. Uh, dysfunctional family, dysfunctional uh, marriage, Siamese twins, lone shark, dancing, fish out of water, and of course, as I said, one of the many movies with a reference to Jane Pauley, which is great. Uh, So you said you're going to buy this movie. I'm completely agreeing. I didn't give the official review, but I'm totally going to buy this movie. Uh, I do remember liking it when I was a kid. I think I like it even more now. I get even more of the jokes. I'm totally buying this movie. Um... Jamie's going to buy it too. She's not even here, but I know she's going to buy it because she technically suggested this when uh, I was saying, oh yeah, we're thinking about doing these Halloween movies again. And I knew one of the things, which we'll announce what it's going to be. But uh, the movies, I was sort of iffy on. And Jamie said, you guys should do The Addams Family. And you should do what we will announce will probably be our next episode, which Rossi will announce in a second. Not The Craft. She did suggest The Craft as well, which that movie makes me nauseous. Uh, so I hope to never cover it on here. But uh, I'll give Jamie a buy it for this as well. Um, so what are we going to do with this? We're, we're unsure what week two is going to be, what next weekend we're going to be talking about leading up to Halloween. But just like last year, last year, what, let's remind everyone, what did we do last year? We didn't, we did, it's The Great Clue. Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Clue, yeah. Uh, Parks and Rec. Parks and Recreation, Halloween specials, and um, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. So we pick more comedic, I guess, or at least unconventional Halloween movies. We don't just want to do Poltergeist and The Exorcist. We want to pick things that are more fun that you wouldn't think of. Um, Rossi, why don't you tell one of the two things that we might be covering next week? Um, I'm going to do a tease of the first one before I say what it is. Okay. It's going to be so bad. Please do not judge me. (laughs) You're right, that is bad, but I get the reference. (laughs) I can't do it. Hold on, can I do it better? No, I I practiced. This was my childhood favorite show, so I am going to... Half of our episode is going to be... Or sometimes you get get the... "Ah, ah, ah, ah," And sometimes you get the... So it's good. It, it is not Planet of the Apes. It is not 2001: A Space Odyssey. It's Home Improvement. As you obviously guessed from that, yeah, from Rossi. Everybody did. got it from Rossi's grunt. Give us another grunt. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. I think that's also the duh train lady from Skyfall. If you listen to Double yeah. Seven, um, yeah. So Home Improvement Halloween specials now. Uh, I don't know the exact episode numbers, but uh, I think... No, it was. It was episode six for both seasons. So we're going to do, like we did with Parks and Rec last year, we're going to pick two of the best or the two best 
Home Improvement Halloween specials. Home Improvement did Halloween episodes for, I think, five out of its eight seasons or even six out of its eight seasons. We're going to do the season two Halloween special, and then season five was the other one, if I'm right. Maybe mm-hmm. you can confirm. Uh, but um, Home Improvement Halloween special. So if you want to watch it ahead of time, feel free to watch it. That maybe next week it comes down to whether or not Ben and Mallory, who want to join us on this one, Mallory especially was very excited to talk about home improvement. Um, if they're able to join us, which they are in the process of moving to New Zealand or have moved to New Zealand, uh, which also explains why there's been such a delay on our anniversary episodes, which will be coming soon. We'll talk about mm-hmm. that. <laughs> but they want to join us on home improvement Halloween special. So that will be one of them. Uh, Rossi, what is our third? Maybe it'll be our second. Maybe it'll be our third. Um, you know, you know it. You love it. It is the great, brilliant, wonderful movie that is The Craft. No! <laughs> Please, no! <laughs> um, wait, now I actually forget what it was. <laughs> Jamie bought the Blu-ray? <laughs> oh, okay. A brilliant movie that Colin is uh, not a fan of, which I don't get why. I think he was dropped on his head <laughs> as a child or something. Um, Hocus Pocus, one of the best... Disney movies oh. ever. I'm excited. Bette Midler is going to shine bright. Sarah <laughs> Jessica Parker is going to be there in the <gasps> background. And that other witch is going to do something <laughs> The crazy. other witch. It's going to be great. Um, okay, so I will, I'll just say this. I don't think I've ever watched this movie start to finish. Now, I have seen the movie, but What's much like... Well, much like I talked about with Grease, it's just... It's one of these things where... I'll catch it halfway through, or I'll watch the beginning and get bored and walk away. Uh, if I had, bored. Uh, if I had ever watched this start to finish, which this would be the first time in 25 years, uh, but if I had ever had the opportunity to watch it start to finish, maybe my opinion would be different. So maybe my opinion will be different when we watch this. But I'll just say that yeah. when I was when I was a kid, I think this was probably a, this is celebrating a 25th anniversary too. We could add this to anniversary month. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember that this came on pay-per-view at the time, and I was uh, at a friend's house for the weekend, uh, and because I got a sleepover, my mom said, well, for my brother and sister, you guys get a treat. Let's rent a movie on pay-per-view. Let's get Hocus Pocus. So they got Hocus Pocus. They all loved it and watched it all the time, and there was something about the movie where I couldn't get into. If I had been there that night and watched Hocus Pocus... Maybe I would love this too, but I don't. Jamie loves this movie so much um, that she went out and bought the Blu-ray for it, uh, which I then got upset because she said she bought it for me because we're covering it this month. I'm like, I could have watched it on Netflix. We didn't have to buy it and spend but $10. bonus content. The bonus content. So I will have, BTS. I will have all the trivia. Um <laughs> Oh boy. So that may be next week or Home Improvement may be next week. And again, we'll just run down Home Improvement. It'll be season two, episode six. Uh, and then the, well, that one was The Haunting of Taylor House, which is the one where, uh, Brad and his girlfriend are supposed to dress up as Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Andy. And then the other one we're going to have is season five, uh, also episode six, which is Let Them Eat Cake, which is another one where Brad has a Halloween party. Uh, but this also has Tim going to an award show, and we get uh, uh, the best costume ever from Al. Uh, so, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think so, Tim. 
I am so excited for Home Improvement and so not excited for Hocus Pocus, but uh, that will carry us through to Halloween. And then uh, as far as anniversary month goes, we started that at the beginning of September. We got Grease done when Ben and Mallory were here. We got 2001 done a few days ago. Uh, we still have the last action hero 25th anniversary to come and Godzilla 1998 Godzilla 20th anniversary as soon as Ben's settled and we know he has an internet connection that episode will come plus Rossi um, you want to just give a quick tease for what we might be bringing people I'm guessing starting in a few weeks maybe we'll do this at the beginning of November uh, obviously there's no lost coverage right now because Noah is it's too lost. busy it's uh-huh. lost our, we've lost our <laughs> lost coverage Noah's too busy to record loss with Ben right now. Ben's moving, so loss is on hold. We still want to bring you something on Mondays. We don't want to commit to a new show. Rossi and I are going to do something fun. What's it going to be, Rossi? We are going to continue on with the loss coverage right where Ben and Noah left off. That's right. <laughs> and we're going to jump in without having seen any of the other episodes that started before it. And Have you ever <laughs> wanted to hear two people talk about season three, episode one, without having seen episodes or seasons one and two? Yeah, no, we're right. not doing that. Never been done in podcasting history. <laughs> we will do something similar to that, though, possibly. So, what is it? Um, at a quite, I don't quite know exactly what we're doing, but I think we're going to be covering random episodes in the yeah. style of random episode recaps. But we're going to pick, alternate. Colin and I are going to kind of alternate which shows we want to cover because Colin suggested Doctor Who and something else to me, Small and I was though. like, "Well, I really don't feel like watching a full series of that." So. <laughs> I thought of another way that we can get both of what we want by just covering random episodes that are kind of our favorites or mm-hmm. really pivotal moments in the story or, or something and kind of talk about that. And we will enjoy it, hopefully. Hopefully Colin has good episodes on like Hocus Pocus garbage that he doesn't like. Well, I will say one of the things that Rossi's very excited to cover is possibly doing Pirate Master from Mark Burnett, but we'll Yay! see if we ever get there. And maybe we can have on a special guest because hey, I know someone else who would love to talk about that. I'm I'm sure we could get the entire cast from Pirate Master. None of them are busy right now. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, I just said it. It's got to be done. But, I mean, this the whole random episode thing goes back to when we first started the Oz Network. We were just looking to get our format down and what these episodes would sound like. So uh, before we started any full coverage of TV shows, Ben and I worked out, well, let's just do four Smallville episodes and we'll just randomly pick them it'll be from all over the place and then it kind of became a thing where we got listeners to submit random episodes so we end up covering some charms some impractical jokers some doctor who um, um we will a possibly... bad impractical jokers yeah which ben is still obligated to a good impractical jokers because we got around to swept away but uh we're bringing this back so it is going to be kind of an alternating thing where uh, I will pick one week, and then at the end of the episode, Rossi's going to say, this is the random episode of whatever random TV show we're covering next week. Uh, and we're going to make sure there are things that you could still find if you're looking for it yourself. Um, but even if you've never seen it, it should still be fun. And maybe we'll let the listeners suggest some things to us if they want to throw them out there. So get any ideas you have of random episodes you want us to watch. And if you do, just send us your messages. So looking forward to that as well. And your line is... Agreed. Rossi's gone. Okay, agreed. Said Rossi. Oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, I don't know. So that's it. To me, I'm not paying attention. How how lucky are we that Jamie got us to cover the Adams family? Um, okay, well I suggested it too. 
Oh, and Rossi, the Jamie and Rossi one to cover the Adams family. And that we at least kick this month off with something I do like before we have to get to Hocus Pocus. You're just so terrible, Tom. So stay tuned uh, this time next week for another Halloween episode. And then one week after that for our final one as we got two more to come. But uh, that's it for this week. That's it for the Adams family. Stay tuned for all of our other episodes that are still going up. My name is Colin and Mamushka, Mamushka. He dances the Mamushka with a hey and 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 a hey. Mamushka. My name's Rossian. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.